Presbyterian congregations that formed a, a network of support for churches in Syria and Lebanon. So he will have some interesting things to report when he returns. The other members of our team are Lenore Brashler, Dee Kelly, Jim Butler, our pastor Karen Sapio, and Christine Kolb. But they are all out of town this weekend. <laughs> so we will carry on. Um, the first thing we want to do is give you a chance to share your reflections on our summer with Syria and Lebanon. You have listened very attentively all summer as we've uh, shared information. Uh, and certainly the $7,500 you offered for the refugee schools is an indication of your response. But we had the feeling you must certainly have thoughts that you would like to share and questions or things you'd like us to uh, inform ourselves about, to research for you. Um, so that's the first thing, to give you a chance to give us some feedback. The second is to share some information on our partnership with First Presbyterian Church in Pomona in settling at least one refugee family, and there may be more. And Mary has been very much in touch with that and will share that. And then we want to tell you about a PCUSA program called uh, We Choose Welcome to get, consult you about whether you think we should pursue this. So uh, that's the agenda this morning. So uh, first of all, what kind of reflections do you have on the summer that we spent with Syria and Lebanon? Uh, what, what have you been thinking over the course of this summer? Uh, have there been new um, thoughts or questions that have occurred to you or things that you wish we could pursue? Um, what has been on your mind? Mary? Well, well, I've just been very heartened to see what is happening here at the church, that there is a committee and that there is some movement and action. Because I've been very frustrated for a long time uh, observing what's going on in the Middle East and really feeling helpless as to what what can I do? What what you know? And why isn't the church moving faster on this? So I feel very very pleased that this is happening, and I hope that we can continue, you know, uh, being able to uh, feel that we're doing something. I think that's the thing, doing something. Uh, because we have enough problems in this country, but the fact that we are, you know, that we are considering these people that are suffering so, uh, and we should be as Christians. And I wish that the churches would move fast on this issue. Thank you. Other thoughts? Maybe I'd just... like to mention yes. something that actually happened this morning got an email about, which bring, takes me back to 1948, when my family, we were refugees. When Count Folk Bernadotte, who was signed by the International Red Cross to find a solution to the problems of the refugees in Palestine. And he was in Jerusalem, and he was assassinated by the Zionists at the time. And the person who killed him was a became later a prime minister, Mr. Shamir. In any event, that takes me back to the days when we spent six months in the convent as refugees. But fortunately, it's so much better than the Syrian refugees who are facing hunger and thirst 
and no place to live under. But we had a room, about 12 of us in one room, and we lived there for six months. And that brings me back to that day when I carried the cross, when he was assassinated, Fort Pernador. His body was brought to the convent, and the service was led for him. He's a Swedish diplomat. And actually, he had worked in 1944 to help Jewish people to escape the Nazi horrors and saved thousands of Jews, yet he was assassinated by a Jew later on, three years later, because of his work to settle the conflict. So that is very close to my heart this morning, because that takes me back almost 70 years ago. So this, this is always on our mind, as you probably know, as we hear, and we learn, and we have news, so I'll share this little story with you. Those of you I have been here, I sent it to you today. Thank you. About folk women This has been a long journey, isn't it? Uh, what is happening today is not starting from nothing, but rather from a very long struggle. I've seen Alice? the the letters the church is sending the church is there must mean so much because again taking us back to our being in Jerusalem and we thought the world doesn't care what's, what's happening why don't they speak why don't they do something so this must be very very meaningful for them. encouraging uh, John took the last of the letters with him uh, at this meeting in Louisville. Our representative to the Middle East uh, will be there, and also Mary Mikhail, who many of you know, uh, will be there, and others, and they will take the last of the letters to see that they get through the church distribution system. Gail? Um, uh, in, in regards to the letters, uh, I was happy with the project um, Two, I think that uh, it's often very difficult to think the signing of letter is going to make any difference. And uh, I think that has to become one of our prayers, is just that we realize that signing a letter can make a difference. I work with the project at Pilgrim Place for Amnesty International, and so month after month we sign uh, three letters and encourage people to do that. And, we don't have any way of, of finding out how many people actually do that, but um, because there are so many signed up and, and so many that receive them, then you know there might be as many as 100 or 150 letters that go uh, each month. But um, you know, just it, but people over and over, Amnesty International has a way of getting some information back, and we probably will too from from John because prisoners just over and over again, those who are released say that it you know it just just to know that somebody out there cares. Just to know that somebody cares and you're not forgotten. And officials will say that too, that you know those if you catch several hundred letters on one person, of course that calls attention to that name to the government office that receives all those letters. So uh, our one doesn't make a difference, but those letters piled up really can make a big difference. Or a letter like we've done, where one letter has many signatures. 
I was very heartened because when I looked at the letters, I just assumed we would be sitting down with English. <laughs> and that means a lot to the people receiving them that we took the effort to put it into their language and presumably by someone who spoke their language. So it really says what we wanted to say. And, you know, I just felt really warm-hearted about that. Well, we're so, so gifted to have um, the Yusufs working with us and uh, Mary's translation. <laughs> Yes, Gordon? I think the uh, opportunity to make contributions to the development of these schools uh, for uh, young people, many of whom have not yet had a formal education uh, since the war has been going on so long, uh, really needs to be kept in our minds in our uh, bulletins and in other ways. Uh, we've raised $7,000, but we could raise more than that. Well, there's, been a, that. Yeah, yeah. there's been a proposal that we incorporate this into the Alternative Christmas, so that people um, at the Alternative Christmas could um, offer uh, that as a, a gift to their friends or family. But there may be other opportunities. I, I was so. thinking about maybe the church, the mission program in the church can adopt the Senate of Lebanon and Syria into their annual funding for their continuous work. What's happening in Syria and yeah. Lebanon right now is not going to be finished in a few months. This is going to be many years happening. So if we get the church to be involved as a regular participant in the mission program, there would be a lot of continuous funding that's this is the long-range thinking we need to have as you say this is uh, ongoing uh, Gordon is taking notes back here of suggestions so we will so know that we're going to keep track of these proposals yes. we already have the uh, relationship with the Erie School of Theology Yes, yeah, but that's different. The nearest school yeah. of theology is really to, you know, educate pastors. But this is not really involved directly with yeah. the refugees. I understand. I just throw that in. Good. Other suggestions along these lines? Or we were just getting some feedback from our summer. Um, what, what thoughts people had about it, what questions they might want to raise or suggestions. Any further comments? Well, if not, um, the second area that we have been involved in as a task force has been uh, with the church in Pomona. Uh, back last spring or a long time ago, some of us went to a gathering to think about receiving refugees, and we were told, oh, it would be a year before any of them come through. And so we moved ahead thinking about what we could do with Syria and Lebanon, but keeping in the back of our minds that we wanted to do something locally as well. So Mary, tell us what happened. Uh, about a month ago or so, uh, I got a chance to meet a family that has uh, been accepted as a refugee family that is coming to Claremont, uh, actually not Claremont, Pomona. 
And uh, when I first uh, Presbyterian church, uh, we had a representative, actually the pastor came over and talked to us about the family and uh, uh, what they're planning to do with them. And uh, so we, uh, I got a chance to meet this family uh, not too long after to help with translating because they were trying to find an apartment to live in. At the moment that they, were, they had arrived, they were living with a relative of theirs in a two-bedroom apartment in Pomona. There were six of them, and the family had were four. So it was uh, 10 people living in a small little apartment in uh, Pomona uh, until you know, uh, we, they tried to find out some other place for them to live. Um, and then after that, we went through, uh, I met them and with the, uh, Rusty, who was one of the people of the, on the committee in First Presbyterian, uh, Pomona, came with me so that they can get, uh, find a place for them to rent and put a deposit there. And they, they didn't speak English, so they needed a translator, and that's where I came in. Um, they're a lovely family. Uh, there's a father and a mother, and I think they're maybe in their 40s or so. And uh, they have a 21-year-old uh, son called Amir, um, two teenage daughters, 14 and 15, and another son who is, um, I think, 11 years old, or maybe less than that, I don't know, eight, seven, eight, I don't know, I don't remember. But, uh, we found a place for them and we tried to put a deposit, but they can't get into there until they get their social security cards, which the First Pomona Presbyterian Church was working on that. And they were expecting that to happen within three to four weeks from the time that I, I met them. They had put in the papers and everything. Um, and um, then, you know, we kind of received some updates about what the family is doing. In the meantime, uh, First Presbyterian Church has moved them into um, uh, the uh, education building where they have a place for them to stay. So they moved out of that little apartment and they went there and uh, they were very happy with the arrangement. They still are there. They are still at the First Presbyterian Church in Pomona. And uh, they are, uh, the children are enrolled in Claremont Presbyterian uh, schools. The young one is at uh, Mountain View over here, and the, the two girls are in uh, uh, Claremont High. Um, and uh, the son is looking for work, uh, the oldest son, the 21 year old, is looking for work. And with the help of uh, Brenda and Jill and, and uh, John Hill, uh, they've arranged for them transportation for them to go uh, to school at least for one month, if not more. Um, and they also have uh, the, the adults, the mother and the father, and this, the oldest son are in ESL program. And so they have arranged for transportation for them to go back and forth from uh, Pomona First Presbyterian Church to the, to the ESL program, again, for about a month or so. Um, the need now is great uh, for and, and transportation for the kids to go to school also from there to the schools that they are enrolled in. Uh, the greatest need so far now is for them to find jobs because, you know, uh, apparently the government gives them about $600 a month and uh, the apartment that they're renting is about $1,600 a month. So uh, 
if there's a huge discrepancy and I don't know if they, they need to find work in order to be able to afford to live. And uh, so the need, the biggest need right now is for them, for people to um, help them with job employment interviews, uh, finding out, uh, you know, how to research where are, what are the job opportunities. So if anybody here has any idea of any jobs that are open, I'm not sure about their expertise. From what I know <coughs> is the father used to be a barber and to work as a barber in this in California you have to have a license and I'm not sure he's going to be able to get that unless they're already you know going to school and trying to learn English but uh, you know uh, it's tough yes uh, what, what was the reason for putting them in Claremont schools safety or um, I think preference and at the apartment that they are Look, planning the planning to rent oh, is is also very close to Foothill, up, uh, uh, up next to Gary in that area. So they are very close to the to the schools over here, rather. And safety too, because so far, I think they're unable. They don't have a car. Uh, they're depending on people. Eventually, they're going to need help with public transportation, learning how to find their way up to Foothill taking the public bus to go to the high school, things like that, so, um, yeah. The, the apartment is actually in the Claremont Unified School District. Oh, okay. That, that was one of the reasons they oh. chose that apartment. Oh, mm -hmm. And they were more interested, from what I understood from the mother, is that they wanted the better schools. And apparently, <laughs> the Claremont schools were rated better than the Pomona schools, so. Uh, yes. I'm wondering if, somehow we could get the family to come to our church one time so that we could meet them and welcome them to the community. We'll pass that along. That's a good idea. Yes. So I'm sorry I came in late, but I did hear one thing that is something I know a little bit about, and that is he was a barber. Yes. So it is right. There is a special, like a cosmetologist license that yes. has to be done, and depending upon what they are, so is that what he wants to continue to do? I have no idea. So we will, we'll, it's just an inquiry mm -hmm. um, in that maybe that is something that could, um, a group could continue to be involved and figure out very specifically and concretely where the closest school is, where they, he can go to get that license. Okay. Um, and how much that is, and then that becomes a very concrete thing to look at in terms of part of the process of finding employment and livelihood, the transportation to get to the school, how much it costs and what's involved. We convey that to them. Um, I'm sure he would love to, I mean, I, uh, his, even the wife, the wife was very outgoing, very, uh, very interested, you know, in finding work too. So um, that was interesting for me to, to, to see and hear. And uh, um, apparently he has some problems with varicose veins, I guess, from standing, but I'm sure if he if he will find a job, he will. Uh, this is this is pr pretty much high up in what they want to do actually. And the son is also has some experience with. Uh, apparently, they lived for three years in Jordan. They were not in a in a camp, but they were living again with some relatives in Jordan while they were their papers were being. Uh, their uh, refugee papers were being processed. And uh, uh, so they, um, 
Yeah, the son, yeah, at that time in, in Jordan, he had some uh, experience in working in a bakery or something like that. So, um, again, you know, I'm not sure exactly what, what the needs are, but uh, th these are the things that I know that they were doing before they came to the States. So, there is a need then for <clears throat> help with job search. Um, driving people back and forth yeah. until they can learn how to use public transport. Um, <clears throat> some help perhaps with homework and tutoring with English. With English, yeah. They, they need people to, apparently the ESL program is, is you just dive in and you just hear only English and uh, they would like if somebody can go and converse with them in English so that they will kind of get the feel for so this is, these are probably, yeah, most, most of the needs are in that area. Uh, as far as furniture and stuff, apparently they have enough furniture from the pilgrim place. <laughs> so uh, yeah, they have uh, all they need to do, and I think they went shopping also for, Brenda went shopping for whatever kitchen utensils that they might need. So she says in that respect, they are pretty, uh, pretty much set. Uh, so the needs are mostly for job interviews, transportation, doctors' transportation. What I, what I understand is that the kids had um, uh, vaccination and things like that, and there's a follow-up again. They have to go to Glendale to do that. So they need drivers um, uh, and, and, and people that can help them find work and help them with job interviews and things like that and information about jobs. And this is the most basic need that they need. So. And it seems like we're going to get more families <laughs> coming in. Um, one of them is, again, another family that's related to them that was uh, stationed in Northern California, in uh, North Carolina. And they are thinking, they've already moved, I think, here. And uh, so, and from what I heard on NPR is that uh, Obama is also opening um, the refugee program to at least uh, 10,000 uh, refugees. So mm -hmm. there's going to be a need to support these families as they come to this, at least to this state. You know. Yes. So there was one other thought, and I had mentioned it to Karen, and I don't know necessarily how all the presbytery politics work and things like that, but the thought occurred to me that we have this South Hills property that may be coming up, and if there can that somehow be converted to um, a place where refugee families can live. Good thought. <laughs> yeah. So I don't we're, know. We're taking all these suggestions and we can. Somebody well, writing all these yeah, notes. Paul is taking notes back there. <laughs> okay. uh, so that we, we can take all these suggestions yeah. back. So I don't know what there is with zoning and how, you know, mm -hmm. I understand the Presbytery like, owns that property That's and right. I know there's a community garden, you know, and I was touched by all of those gardeners, which has nothing to do with this particular situation, but they are people who want to work and, and provide for themselves, and I just thought, gosh, maybe here's this great big property, maybe something under the Presbytery, not just with us, or a partnership with South Hills. I don't know what zoning is, but I mean, we're, we're happy to have these suggestions, we can, we can follow up and pursue sure. these and see where that might lead. Yes, uh, some of you remember South Hills Church with great warmth. It was a vibrant ministry. 
And we had lots of pulpit and choir exchanges. This was an African-American congregation. But that was closed by the Presbyterian at the last meeting because the numbers have shrunk. So the de demography has changed. It's now a Hispanic area. And um, what was remaining were a few very elderly people who simply couldn't carry it on. And so in the last Presbyterian meeting, there was a very sad um, report that um, they wished to close that ministry. But as you say, the, the Presbytery owns the property, and the next question will be what ministry needs to be installed there. So this is certainly something we can pursue. Any other suggestions along these lines? Anyway, in terms of the transportation and things like that, if you want to help, if any of you are interested in helping, then if you can get in touch, yeah. And uh, with Brenda and John Hill, because they seem to be in charge of you know, doing the whole uh, system of organizing the whole thing. So uh, that would be someone you can contact and, and uh, find out what their needs are. And you could also leave us your name here today with whatever it is you think you might want to help with, and we'll pass that along. Well, the other thing we wanted to do today is to explore with you um, what we've been doing so far is sort of direct service uh, and partnership, um, but we've wanted to explore whether you think the congregation would also want to be involved in public advocacy. Um, our stated clerk, the PCUSA stated clerk, Grady Parsons, back in December, I think inspired by what the churches in Europe were doing. We were just looking through um, some uh, videos uh, about uh, churches all over Europe saying, welcome to the refugees, we welcome you, we choose welcome, and so on, over against the many voices that were saying, you know, go away, we don't want you, you're terrorists. And so Grady Parsons um, challenged our church um, to explore whether a congregation would want to identify itself as a welcoming congregation and suggested that they um, create a banner, I'll pass these around, um, something like this, take a photo and put it up on YouTube, um, uh, send it to uh, the city council, send it to other congregations uh, in the area, send it to the governor, to our representatives in Congress, um, as, as identifying ourselves with a movement of welcoming refugees. Um, I think there's another photo over there of the Nassau Presbyterian Church where Gordon and I remember for a while that had their banner. Uh, did you find the, the YouTube? Of um, uh, I found a video from the PCUSA website. I think this is a video of the GA meeting. Uh, so I'm not sure, but can well, you? Try, try showing it. Yeah, let's, let's yeah. try. We understood there was a video, and we haven't been able to find it. Other families have grown tired of waiting for peace in Syria. They are on the move. During Holy Week, former moderator Heath Rega, Derek McLeod of Myers Park Presbyterian Church, and I were part of a delegation to Europe that traveled the migrant trail. We encountered countries in Europe that have exercised welcome in a way that made us long for the same kind of welcome in our own nation. Germany, pictured here, received 
nearly a million refugees. And in Berlin here, even in the midst of a difficult housing crisis, temporary housing using these large inflatable tents with sunsets inside of them house hundreds and hundreds of people and families. <coughs> but we also welcomed refugees and witnessed tragedy at the new European detention camps like this one above in Samos on the islands in Greece. Since the European Union's action in March of this year to close the borders, refugees are held as virtual prisoners until they can be deported to Turkey. Just as in the U.S., many Europeans are pressing their governments to welcome refugees. But Europe is closing its doors. These refugees who are already making a perilous journey are now forced to choose even more dangerous paths. Between January and May of this year alone, over 2,500 souls died or went missing in the seas surrounding Europe while trying to seek safe harbor there. Here in the United States, though, our country has accepted as many as 200,000 refugees in the past. In the midst of this crisis, the government is only accepting 85,000 refugees this year, and they are far behind in reaching even that modest goal. But thanks be to God, Presbyterians across the United States are remaining steadfast in their dedication to this humanitarian effort. You are advocating for higher numbers of refugees to arrive, and you are letting your brothers and sisters and the government know about it by using the hashtag, WeChooseWelcome, in your social media. When refugees arrive, you are being Christ's hands and feet by remaining steadfast in your decades-long commitment to assisting in refugee resettlement. Did you know the Presbyterians, through this voting body, have been making statements in support of refugee resettlement and partnering with Church World Service since 1947? But you are not resting on your laurels because you know that we have our own refugee crisis here in this hemisphere. More than 60,000 children arrived alone in the United States in 2014 from Central America. Another 60,000 individual members of family units arrived traveling and seeking protection in the United States from that region. The numbers declined in 2015, but are on the rise again this year. When moms and children are being locked up in brand new, privately run family detention centers, you are visiting them. And you are protesting their detention. When families are released, you are providing shelter. And you are providing safe passage to their next destination. When asylum seekers arrive in your town, you are accompanying them. And when they do not receive due process in court and are at risk of raids and deportation, you are offering sanctuary. Because we know that in the book of Matthew, Jesus stood at the water's edge. People hungry for good news gather. The disciples tried to turn them away. But Jesus showed us that through him, what we each bring gets multiplied and becomes enough for all of those who come. Thanks be to God. 
On the left is our student clerk, Grady Parsons. Thank you very much. That's, that's helpful. <laughs> Excellent. Yes. So this is what we wanted to consult with you about. Um, we knew that you, that you were uh, with us in our desire to reach out uh, in, in partnership and service, uh, but we don't know whether our congregation is ready at this point to want to enter into the public advocacy in the way that this we welcome, we choose welcome suggests. And so we wanted to consult with you whether we should explore this. It would have to go through the session, but um, you know, it needs to work through the congregation first. Bob, did you ever have that Bob? Yes. I know, Jane, just for a minute to find out what other churches in Kamala Claremont are doing. Methodists and so on have We don't know. Are we in connection? We, we don't know. That would be with this. We don't know. But that's something we need to explore. I was wondering. I think right. there's action going on. Good. But that's something to explore. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, it is wonderful what the churches are doing throughout. <clears throat> Any person wanting to leave his or her country is usually in the last resort right. yeah. to seek refuge outside. Yeah. I think another aspect of our work ought to be <clears throat> to settle the problems that are here, there, in the Middle East. And I think there is a, a move between Russia and the U.S. to have a ceasefire. I think this is what we also as individuals and as a church and as clergy and as leaders in communities push our country here to really find a solution that is equitable so that people do not have to seek refuge outside the country. Because otherwise there is no end to the thousands and thousands of people who seek to go. I know there are some countries are nicer than others, and many people choose America or, or Europe, or but still, that is their country, and they ought to be forced somehow to remain if there is peace. So this is what we want to see. So this is another aspect of our work, I think. Yes, I, I think that's very important. Yes, uh, Mary has to go to choir. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I think we all realize that most of these refugees would rather stay home. Yeah. Um, they're they're leaving because they're victims of violence, and the situation is untenable. They want safety and a future for their children. Um, they they don't want to sit there and die with the barrel bombs. Um, you know. This is not a, a personal choice, <laughs> but a desperation solution. And so um, the question then, how could we be involved uh, also perhaps at an advocacy level somehow uh, in relation to the broader questions of peace in the Middle East? Good, that we need to explore. Is their language Arabic? Is that Pardon me? Arabic, is that their language? Yes. It's the most general language through that area. Well, I think what we're doing is we're trying to work in conjunction with the churches in that area. And uh, you know, I think that bond needs to be made stronger and to let them know that you know, we're with them in every way possible. 
And that's, of course, why we started there. Yeah, that's what we started. To strengthen their hands, because they are doing heroic work yeah. in um, trying to meet the needs of these people who've been forced out of their homes. So that's step one, to be a partner with them uh, in ways that we can. Um, we heard also from Newhouse last week, you know, the most important thing is to stop the bombs. <laughs> and so, uh, how do we get involved in advocacy uh, for peace in that way? So this is something that, that we need to explore further. Yes. But in answer to your question, you know, personally, yes, I would say I am interested in, in having our, our church support this kind of a program and then explore how we could be involved in advocacy in a broader range. And I agree that unless there's peace in the area, there, you know, we'll never have a, a long-term solution for people who are not able to leave. Um, so I think we need to have that in, as part of it. But I think as a, a nation, we have been remiss in not accepting more people, and, and I would support that. All right. Um, one, one view, other comments about whether you think we ought to pursue becoming part of this uh, We Choose Welcome program? Jane, is this just for uh, refugees who are, who are coming through an illegal process? Well, that's just that's they, what they mentioned sanctuary, which is for people who are here illegally. Um, and to become a sanctuary church, I think it's a whole different that's a question. Right. So we need to be careful what we're exactly what we're saying because the sanctuary issue probably needs a pretty detailed conversation with the members of the congregation, right. I would think. Um, oh, I think it is a different issue. Yeah. It's related, but it's decidedly distinct. It, yeah, right. <laughs> right. No, this has been entirely in the context of um, receiving refugees. Mm -hmm. But as you say, it doesn't say that particularly. No, and it's going to be taken as a sanctuary thing, right. which raises the mm -hmm. other of questions. So um, it just, we need to make sure that we're not driving people away by, well, we just have to have that conversation. Right. Okay. The other thing I would like to kind of go along with what others are saying is that if we could strengthen what we're doing to help the churches who are there, to help them keep the people in their own country, surely um, that's what they would all choose right. if, if it's safe. Um, so the advocacy for peace and for uh, supporting those churches to do the work that they're doing, and in the work that they are doing, I think is um, maybe something that we can all really get our Excellent. Uh, Gordon? The very first comment uh, made in our discussion today by Nancy was about uh, good to have a committee. Um, we have a committee at Claremont Presbyterian Church, which uh, was started at least 20 years ago. It's called the Church and Society Committee. <laughs> it is a public advocacy committee. Off and on, it has taken public advocacy positions, mostly about Claremont events. It's been very local in its orientation. Well, this is a local problem, too. Uh, 
you know, it's a replica of a national uh, uh, committee on uh, advisory committee on social witness policy at the PCUSA level that I served for many years with, uh, who does a lot of lobbying in the Congress and with executive branch members in Washington about public policies. Well, that's not something we're going to be able to really do at the local level, but there really is a, a committee opportunity here for an existing committee of the, of the session. So let's get them involved too. Dale, can we hold you just a minute and let the chair of this come in? <laughs> 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 so, great. The, it is a committee of one. And uh, we are looking for uh, opportunities to, to be advocates for the issues. Stand on that I'm sorry? Is Stan not on the committee? No. Uh, in fact, there hasn't been a committee meeting in some time, and I'm just now on session. Uh, I think the model that we would like to do for church and society is that uh, for people that are interested in a particular advocacy uh, event or purpose uh, that we need and lay it out, we'll lay out a timeline and how we're going to present it to the congregation. And uh, take opportunities like this to um, present to session, and uh, that's where where it's at. So uh, I would be very happy to chair a discussion on this particular issue. Well, I think also we have to realize that we are a church that made a commitment to peacemaking. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many years ago, but that we should honor that in whatever we do, and also that we are a church nationally where we say all may enter, and certainly if we welcome people to become a member of our family, church family, uh, you know, this is our Christian obligation. And as long as the church has made those commitments, we need to live by them. Well, it sounds as though our little task force needs to have some conversation <laughs> about ways that perhaps some public advocacy can come on these issues. Um, thank you, Scott. Dale. No, I was pointing at Gordon. I wasn't sure you could see his hand. That's exciting about me. Maybe. I'm one. <laughs> we're grateful for you, Scott. <laughs> but, um, I think this congregation has not been as much involved in public advocacy, and um, so that's perhaps the next thing we need to explore. Uh, just uh, something that we did a, a few years ago, and maybe five or six years ago, uh, we joined a group of letter writers. I was thinking about the letter writing the effectiveness uh, from our area. And it was churches, and it was the Sierra Club, and several other organizations that we wrote letters to uh, David Dreyer in support of this is a different issue, but uh, more uh, designation of wilderness in our local mountains. And he he took that to heart. David Dreyer <laughs> took that to heart. Presented, you know, uh, with his the, the people he represented 
presented their their wishes to Congress, and that that passed, and that that happened. So I think letter writing in in uh, uh, community with other churches and other entities is a really effective, can be a very effective uh, way to, to advocate. Well, we now know we have a representative, Judy Chu, who is much more open than David Dreyer was yeah. to some of those issues. So, um, you know, there may be a real role for a conversation with our representatives. I'm afraid to say that, but I think it's time to turn uh, for this meeting. Uh, so uh, maybe one more question or discussion, yeah, one comment? One comment or question? Yes. I just think this could be a very invigorating project for the congregation as a whole. And I think that, you know, getting that picture out there and everybody posing saying we choose welcome is, is something that gets people excited. And I, and I think we need some invigorating and I think that would, that would be a good project. Okay. Can I ask? Uh, this is aside from the topic, but this this morning meeting is billed as uh, Twitter and coffee, or coffee okay. and Twitter. <laughs> uh, and I'll remind you that uh, we do have a presence. I've been tweeting throughout the, the morning. Oh my goodness! CPC Coffee is our Twitter handle. Uh, but on the issue of coffee, I see people are bringing their own. How many would be interested in? Coffee being provided, and was that something that we okay? <laughs> so raise your hand real high if that would be okay. Alright, so uh, a small pot of coffee we can probably do uh, on Sunday morning. Okay. And we'll continue to posting on our Facebook or at the uh, Twitter. So maybe we can share it how to get in and read uh, the Twitters. One other thing is, I just also wanted to put out there as well, how can mission, our mission commission also be involved? I, I, we don't have any definitions of things, but I'm hearing, you know, I'm hearing points brought up, including what Teddy said about how we define it and how we make it comfortable and have discussions for everybody and um, the church and society and mission commission is also available. Okay, very good. We'll, pers we'll pursue these various suggestions. I wanted to just let you a practical thing. If we moved to room three, I think there's a sink in there after the renovation. The coffee. Well, there is one in room seven, but that's smaller, I think, than room three. Anyway, there there are there other rooms where. Yeah, this is possible. And I think also you have to realize there'll be opposing. Uh, positions. Of course. And we have to allow for that. Right. Uh, it's very clear this has to be worked through the congregation. We don't just do it uh, willy-nilly. Uh, I want to remind you that next Sunday we will have um, the professor who was introduced last week who's at Harvey Mudd College. Right. He's, from he's Dr. Shaw from and he's a kind of refugee visiting scholar from Syria in Harvey Mudd College and he majored in mathematics and uh, he uh, invented a prime code which is very top tier <laughs> code uh, I, I don't know about the coding but uh, <laughs> uh, he has a, a well-known uh, scholar over there so he will come in next week uh, to share his story with us uh, so this is a part of the CPC coffee and Twitter and also the refugee team uh, task force 
So I hope you to join us again in next week. And um, thank you very much, Dr. Thank you very much for um, being here together today. And uh, let me close with a uh, short prayer together. Gracious God, we see the world we are living as full of sadness and despair. But through Jesus Christ, we see our hope. God, please give us eyes to see what you see. And God, please give us heart to bid for the people who are in despair and the sadness and outcast and the deprived. Give us your hands to work in us to your work. Give us courage and wisdom and resources to do your work in our congregation. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you very much. And I'll see you in the sanctuary. <laughs> Oh, that's the mic. So we are, we are recording it for the archive.